Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday morning service. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. everyone. I'm glad you're here in the house of God. Turn to someone and say you're in the right place at the right time. You are. I believe that today. And again, we're excited for this Father's Day. We had a wonderful time in our earlier service and just looking forward uh, to what the Lord's going to do in this service today. We appreciate all of you fathers and, of course, everyone else, we appreciate you as well. And we're just glad you're here today. And we just pray for the blessing of the Lord. Uh, we've been on a series this past month uh, on uh, the table. And we've been talking about coming to the table. And I want to encourage you, uh, we'll continue that series next week about coming to the table. And we've been talking about how Jesus in the book of Luke has descri- is described many times as the, the kingdom of God is described as a feast or a banquet, and that everyone is invited to the table. And in fact, we have a table up here uh, during this sermon uh, that a series that I preach, and we have table a uh, table up here to say you have a seat at God's table. And no matter who you are, what walk of life you come from, God's saying, "Come to my table." And He's the God of grace and a God of forgiveness. And so, no matter how far you are from God. Uh, God welcomes you to the table. But today being Father's Day, I'm going to change it up today, and I'm going to talk about come to the table or come home to the Father. I said come home to the Father today. And so I'm, I'm believing the Lord to bless you, minister to you. But before I go on, I'm going to say some Father's Day jokes. Is that all right? And I, I really need you to laugh, even just a courtesy to me. And uh, that would make me feel good. And even if you have to make yourself laugh, I don't know, punch somebody, just laugh, whatever you have to do. Uh, but uh, this, this, this little boy was at the zoo with his father, and they were looking at tigers and lions, and his father was telling him how ferocious the lions and the tigers were, and the little boy was getting a little bit scared. And, and he turned to his dad and he said, Dad, what, what would happen if one of those tigers came out and ate you? And the father looked at him trying to console him. And the little boy looked at his dad and goes, which bus would I take home? Anyway, there's another one. Here's kind of like a knock-knock one. What did the daddy spider say to the baby spider? You spend too much time on the web. Anyway, okay, here's the last one, okay? Here's the last one. I've used this one before, so just laugh if you've already heard it. So there's these men at the hospital... And these four men are waiting uh, for their wives to give delivery. And sure enough, a nurse comes out. She talks to the first guy, and she says, congratulations, you're the father of twins. And the guy said, man, that's kind of odd. He goes, "Uh, I work for the Minnesota twins. He goes, wow, that's awesome. And the nurse comes back an hour later, and she tells the second guy, congratulations, you're the father of triplets. He goes, man, that's really weird because I work for a 3M company. An hour later, the nurse comes out again, and she uh, sees this. Uh, she, she tells the third guy, uh, congratulations, uh, you're the father of quadruplets. And he said, man, uh, I know that's a lot. I work. Uh, uh, he goes, I can't believe it. I work for Four Seasons Hospital or Hotel. 
And so the last man is groaning in the corner. She said, what's the matter? He goes, don't come out of here again because I work for 7-Up. So there you go. <laughs> Goes to show you, right? <clears throat> but today I'm really going to talk about the story out of uh, Luke chapter 15. Um, I'm not going to read the whole story because a lot of people already know this story. And it's the story, uh, many call it the story of the prodigal son. And really I want to call it a father's welcome home. And I believe today that if we can see the father in the story, it really gives you a picture of who God is. So I want to pray before I continue this morning and just ask the Lord to help us for just a moment. Father, we thank you today. We thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, I pray today you would open our hearts to the word of God. And Lord, remove every distraction or every weight of things that may be on our minds, so many things that stress us out, so many things that cause pressure. Lord, remove those things right now and help us to be open to the Holy Spirit. And God, let your word speak into our hearts. I pray for the anointing of God as I declare your word in Jesus' name. And the people said, amen. amen. So uh, before I read the story, some of it anyway, out of Luke chapter 15, I want you to know the audience that Jesus is talking to because he's talking to two types of people uh, when he's speaking to the audience. And one of them are what they call tax collectors. And tax collectors were uh, worse than sinners. They were, uh, you know, just worse than sinners, kind of like the first two rows right here. No, I'm just kidding. And then, and then, you, have, uh, and then you have the religious people, which is like up here. So you have all these people that Jesus is talking to. And basically, he begins to talk to them about a story about a father that has two sons, in particular, one son, which is the youngest son. And the youngest son is a little wild and radical. And he comes to his father and he says, Father, I, I want my half of my inheritance right now. And as you can see in the story, it's kind of a false entitlement. He really thinks, you know, that he deserves it. Of course, his father hasn't really... I mean, he's still alive. And basically, when you're telling your dad, I want my inheritance now, you're saying, well, because you're not dead yet and because, you know, you still look like you're going to live a little longer, I want my money right now. And it was kind of an insult. And really, the radical thing is that the father said it was okay. And the father gave that young son half of the inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but had it been me, I said, boy, you bumped your head. Somebody, somebody caused you to stumble somewhere, you know. Uh, you you got to learn appreciation. I'd have told him, matter of fact, you're not getting the inheritance and you're sleeping outside just to teach you a lesson. Am I right? In Spanish, what do we call it? Malagradecido, right? Uh, you just, you don't, you, you don't appreciate uh, what I've done for you. But Jesus is telling a story and <clears throat> he's painting a picture of God. He's basically telling us, you and I need to see God the way this father is in this story because the father represents God and the two boys represent you and I. And the Bible said that that young boy, after he got his inheritance, he went to a distant land. How many know when you want to go sin and do your own thing, you usually want to get away from the house. You don't want to do it in the house. You want to do it when nobody's looking. And so he went out. And the scripture said he went out and partied. Uh, well, uh, several translations said it was foolish living. 
Uh, others said riotous living or immoral living or, 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 or partying with prostitutes. That You can kind of see the picture there, kind of give you an idea. He was uh, out there partying, doing his own thing. And <clears throat> what happens is he runs out of money because he's young, because he thinks he's going to live forever and he thinks the money's going to last forever. He runs out of money. And now he's by himself. And how many know when you're by yourself, nobody's around you then. They only want you when your friend's only around when you got something. And so he's all alone now. He, he basically run out of money. And uh, his friends have abandoned him. And not only that, the Bible says <clears throat> that there's a famine that comes to the land. And so now there's a famine in the land. And now he's hungry. He needs employment. So he finds employment at a pig farm. And he now among the pigs, as you can see, all alone among pigs, he's hit rock bottom. And during that culture, especially the Jewish culture, if you were around pigs, pigs were considered unclean. And the fact that you were around working pigs, I mean, you were going the lowest to the low. You were hitting rock bottom. You were the poster child of shame. And so here's this guy. He's now feeding pigs. And the Bible says he's even, as he's feeding the pigs, he wants to eat pig food. See how bad you get when you get away from God? You're down at the bottom. And look at what the Bible says in verse, in here, in Luke chapter 15. It says, when the boy finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home, even the hired men have enough food to spare, and I'm dying of hunger. In other words, man, here I am. I'm in my greatest need. I will go home to my father and say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. Not only sinning against heaven, not only sinning against God, but he's sinning against his father. He's disrespecting him, dishonoring him. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Please take me as a hired man. How many have ever blown it so bad you got to apologize in a big way? This is where the son is, man. He's got to apologize in a big way. And so now, remember, he's at a distant, he's a distant place, and now he has to walk home. Talk about the walk of shame. It's a long walk of shame. He's got to come back. And I can imagine, what's he doing as he's walking back? He's rehearsing what he's going to say. He's rehearsing in his mind. <clears throat> Some of you uh, fathers here, you know what it's like when you, when you, you know, you do something bad and your wife is mad at you. You're, you're rehearsing what you're going to say. Babe, this is what I did. You know how you do it, guys. But anyway, let's go back to the story of this young son. <clears throat> I thought I'd help you guys out here. Anyway, and it says, while he was still, in case you got to apologize, while he was still a long distance away, lucky Father's Day, his father saw him coming. <clears throat> man, I got to drink some water. What is going on here, man? I'm sorry, guys. So while, <clears throat> while he was still a long distance away, his father saw him coming. So you could, it tell, it's telling us that the father was waiting for him. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. Again, the father is representing God our father. He sees the son coming. He's filled with love. He's filled with compassion. And he kisses him, embraces him. And the son can't even get his words out. He can't even say the speech 
Quickly, the dad says, his servants, uh, we're throwing a party. Get a robe on him. Put a ring on his finger. Put sandals on his feet. Kill the fattest calf. My son is home, man. He's excited. Now, when you read that story, you can clap. That's a great story. But the issue here is the story doesn't end there. Most of the time we read that story and we say, what a happy ending. Everybody's happy. Everybody's excited. We're glad it ends there. But actually, it goes on to the next because the story doesn't end because there's another son. And the Bible said the other son had been working out in the field all day long. And he's walking, you know, back to the house. And as he's walking back, he can see a lot of commotion going on and, and people celebrating. There's music. Can you imagine there's a party at your house and nobody even told you about it? Talk about, man, feeling depressed. He finally finds a, a servant there and goes, hey, what's going on? He said, oh, man, it's a big party going on. Your brother has come home. And your dad killed the fattest calf. And he says, what? Yeah, porterhouse steak, bro. Ribeye. Filet mignon. In fact, there were some Latinos there, too. So they had carne asada and menudo. They were eating that, too. So they go, man, we, we, we're going all out. It's all out. It's party time. And the elder brother, he got jealous. The elder brother got mad. He was angry because he said, I can't believe <clears throat> that my brother had did all this, and my dad is celebrating him, and yet I've been working so hard, nothing, nothing for me. What's going on? And he, he's mad, he's upset. I mean, here, you know, God the Father, or God, or this father in this picture is running to his son, and he goes outside to this disconnected son to talk to him, the elder brother, and this is what he said. This is how the elder brother responds. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him or basically was begging him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and never disobeyed you, disobeyed your command. This is Luke 15, verse 28. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I may celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came who devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattest calf for him. When you are jealous, you are blind to love. When you are jealous, you can't see the truth. And you notice that the elder brother doesn't even say my brother's home. He says, this son of yours, this is your son, name my brother. And then he goes, you know what? You've never even given me a young goat with my friends. I don't even get bedia, man. And, And he gets... He gets carne asada. And we don't even get no media. I mean, come on. What's going on? The elder brother's mad. He's upset. <clears throat> and the father said, dear son, you and I are very close. Everything I have is yours. Are you going to bring me some tea? Yeah, I need some tea. Thank you, son. All right. Thank you, son. Appreciate that. <laughs> Must be Father's Day. Anyway, so, dear... <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, why did I, why did I spoil that, huh? So he, he says, you, <clears throat> see, I lost myself. We, we're very close. Everything I have is yours. And he goes, it was right that we should celebrate. Your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost 
and now he is found. Isn't that a powerful story? Now, let me say this before I go any further in this message, because many of us, you, you maybe have grown up with a father and he wasn't around very much, or maybe you didn't grow up with a father at all, or maybe your father passed away. And so whenever I know whenever I preach a message like this that people have different views of what a father is because many of us cannot picture our father being like what we're seeing here in the Bible. And we know that human fathers are imperfect. Uh, I'm a father, I fall short in so many different ways. We know that a human father can be moody, a, few, uh, 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 a human father can have his shortcomings, uh, but I'm here to tell you our heavenly father is perfect in every way. So don't get a misconception of who God the father is because uh, of an imperfect father here on earth. So here's a couple of things if you want to write this down. First thing I want to talk about uh, this father in this particular story, Luke chapter 15, is God is patient enough to not give up on you. Turn to someone and say, God is patient. He won't give up on you. And that is the truth. God is patient that he will not give up on us. And I, it breaks my heart when I hear people to say, well, I've messed up. I've ruined it, man. I, I've, I've done too many bad things. God is so done with me. God is over. The truth is he's not done with you because he remains still looking for you. Jesus is describing the father here that is not giving up on his son. In fact, he is waiting for his son to come back. And verse 20, it said, while the son was still a long way off, <clears throat> his father saw him. So it gives us an image of the father waiting patiently for his son. He enthusiastically is waiting for his son. And one of the reasons why you and I have a hard time picturing God being patient is because how many know we're not that patient? Somebody rubbed us wrong, man, we're mad. You rubbed me twice, hey, I, I, I block you on, on uh, Facebook. I, I, I unfriend you on Instagram. I block your phone calls. We're done. We're just, it's over. I'm not, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for people like you. I don't have time for you, man. No, no, you, your drama later. How many know what I'm talking about? We blow people off. Sometimes we can be impatient with our own children. How many times do I have to tell you? Five times? Ten times? I don't know. How many times? I mean, what's the answer to that? 25 times? I mean, how many times do I have to tell you? Or the, or the other one is, uh, what were you thinking? What were you thinking? And I mean, it, it, that's kind of a trap question, isn't it? Come on, like, like what's the, well, I, I thought I could get the ball across the street before the car came. You know what I'm talking about. And, and you said, what were you thinking? And the, in the actuality, they weren't thinking. I mean, they weren't. And it's hard to describe that. Or a lot of us say to ourselves, I would never say what some of my parents say. Can I tell you something? Not only will you say it, you will say dumber things. I just want to tell you that right now because I've done it. I'm saying, why did I say that? Boy, that was dumb. Anyway, 2 Peter 3 said, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Now, what does repentance mean? Repentance means a change of mind and a change of direction. So God is very patient. Say patient. patient. 
Man, we're, we're God's patient. Man, we're a patient. We, we, we need a doctor. But anyway, God is very patient with us. And the fact is God is gracious enough to, and he's always looking and waiting for you and I to turn around, to change direction. This is how loving God is. He's a very patient God. And it shows us in this picture how patient God is because he's waiting for his son. I imagine he's out there every day waiting for his son to come home. He didn't know when he was going to come. Jesus is describing an earthly father waiting for his son. He didn't know when he was going to show up, but that father was waiting for his son to come home because I believe God is always waiting for us to come back home because some of us, we get on disconnect bus and we need to get on connect bus. Am I right? And come back home to the father. The second thing, write this down. God is passionate enough to show extreme love, say extreme love. A lot of us have a hard time understanding extreme love because, number one, we, we don't feel that love and we don't give that love, but God the Father has extreme love. Verse 20, the father saw him a long way and ran to his son. Can you picture a father running to his son? Now, here's the thing that's really powerful about the story is in Jewish culture, men wear robes, sort of like, you know, like a long dress. And when you wore, wore a robe, you, uh, you covered your legs. If a man exposed his legs in public, it was a shameful thing. And so when you had to run, if you were going to run, you had to pick up, and I know that's difficult, not that I know how it is to run in a dress, but anyway, I, I, this is what I've been told. Anyway, so you, if I'm in a dress, we're in trouble. But anyway, if we get the dress or the robe and we have to pick it up and kind of expose our, I can't even picture how to do it, guys. This would be silly, but, but you can picture what I'm saying, okay? So you're doing this, you're running out, and really it's kind of when you did that, if you were to do that during that culture, it'd be like you're wearing underwear in the public. This was something that was not done, but this father did not care. How I many know, man? Some dads, they don't care. They're going to do it. I mean, some dads, you, you, you know, watch the way some of them dress. No, nobody cares. Amen. It's like, man, you know, loafers with shorts and black socks, that don't go. You know what I'm saying? A jersey with dress pants, that don't go. You know what I'm saying? Where's the love? Nobody told me, you know. You can't walk out like that, dad, you know. You know how dads are. I'm, I'm, I try to be like that with my kids. I say, do I look okay? Yeah. And some of them, they, oh, maybe. You know, and they, they, when they don't say anything, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not matching. It's not going. Or they go, it's all right. <clears throat> that word all right don't go, man. It's either good or bad. Don't give me the all right. The all right too questionable. How did I get into this? So the dad is loving his son. And here's the great thing, that the dad embraces his son, and the guy is, is smelling like pork, man. I mean, he, he's got slop all over him, and he, dad doesn't care. He hugs him. He kisses him. He embraces him. And really, <clears throat> the dad doesn't bring up his past. Did you hear that? He doesn't, <clears throat> doesn't say, where you been? He doesn't bring up the past as far as, hey, you know, you did this, you owe me money. Because sometimes uh, uh, more is said in silence than it is verbally. See, the father was communicating more in silence than he was verbally. He didn't have to bring up the past. He didn't have to bring up his son's mistake. 
I was reading a story about a pastor who, whose father had gotten Parkinson's disease, and it's a neurological disease. Ba- basically, your body begins to break down, and you lose a lot of your motor skills. Your, part of it is your speech. You can't, you can't talk. And he was talking about how he would visit his dad. His dad was very close to him. He had a very close dad. In fact, in fact, his dad was his best man in his wedding. And so to see his dad in this condition was very difficult for him, he said. And often he would go visit his dad, and he would see his dad's lips quivering because he couldn't speak, and he would see tears coming down his eyes. He goes, but I could see, and I can hear what my dad was saying to me, even in his silence. He said, son, I love you. And he could tell, he goes, man, if my dad could jump out of that body, he would hug me. Because more is said in silence many times than it is in words. And so this dad was telling his son, he didn't have to bring up the path, but he was telling him, I love you. See, a lot of us today, we, we, we got to check with people, right? Do you love me? Hey, are, are we okay? We, we good? We good? If you're dating, you know, are we still an item? Are we still together, you know? People say, Pastor, you love me? Hey, over there, you love me over there? Hey, hey, you love me down there? You know, we, we got to check with people, make sure they love us. But can I tell you, with God, you don't have to check with him because he loves you. You may not hear it, but more is said in silence than verbally. God is saying he loves you. God is always saying to you and I, I care about you. Can you say amen? In fact, Psalm 145 said, the Lord is loving toward all that he's made. He loves you. You can rest assured in that. Number three, are you ready for this? God is forgiving enough. To accept us. Now, when God accepts us, doesn't mean that he endorses what we, do, what we do. See, a lot of people thinking, well, if you accept somebody, you endorse what they do. No, no. He's accepting his son. He wasn't endorsing what his son did, but he accepted him as his son. Are you with me? And this is exactly what God was doing. He was accepting his son. He was forgiving him because a lot of people, they have a hard time thinking, no, I don't think God will forgive me. I've done too many bad things. I don't think I could do this. I've got to clean up my act before I can come to God. That's not true at all. The Bible said this in verse 21. He he came, uh, he was saying to himself, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight, I am no longer worthy to be your son. It describes a lot of people today. They think that, you know what, I, I've blown it too much. I, I've gone down the wrong path. It's too late for me. Can I tell you something? It's not too late for you. God is still watching and looking for you. You don't have to clean up your act before you come to God. How many of you know you don't clean a fish before you catch a fish? you got to catch it first, then you clean it up. And so the father came around him and said, put a robe on him, put sandals on his feet, put a ring on his finger, which means authority. And then he was telling him, basically, we're going to throw a forgiveness party. I said, we're throwing a forgiveness party today. That's the kind of party that God gives you and I. He throws us a forgiveness party. Now, I don't know about you, man, but I wouldn't have probably done this. How many fathers can say amen? A lot of us would have said, man, you know what? Uh... You deserve, you don't deserve a hug. You deserve a cachetada, right? A good slap. Marrano, man, or something like that. We, we would, come on, let's be honest. Thank God God's not like us, though, right? He doesn't do that. He embraces him. He loves him. He does uh, uh, basically a celebration because 
in Mosaic law, basically the son could have been disowned as the son. At that moment, the father had a right to disown him. Some parts of the law would even, you could execute him for what he did because he shamed and dishonored the whole family. But we see a picture here of God not doing any of those things, showing us the compassion and the love of God. In fact, Daniel chapter 9 tells us the Lord our God is merciful and forgiving even though we have rebelled against him. So God is saying, come home. I said the Father is saying, come home today. Now what does it take? What does it take? I want to make it personal today. What does it take to come home to the Father? Number one, we have to come to our senses. We have to realize Verse 17, when he came to his senses or when he realized what he was doing, he realized, listen, I'm, uh, he had an aha moment, not an ah moment, an aha moment. You know, like, man, wait a minute. I'm in the wrong place. I'm not doing right. You know what? I, I'm far from my, he had like a wake-up call. And he realized, you know what? I, I, I'm away from God, man. I've been drifting too far. How many of kind of, even in your walk with God, you felt like you drifted a little bit? Can I make a pastor, pastor confession? Because you guys are so perfect. I'm just going to tell you where, where I'm at. You guys need to pray for me. Because some of you got halos and you're shining them up right now. I can see that. But my halo, man, I'm dragging it still in the car. Anyway, <clears throat> there are times even as a pastor, I feel like I've drifted from God. I feel like there's times where, you know, I'm away from God. Where, uh, you know, even it, I get so distracted and so busy with things. I feel like, man, I... I where, where's my relationship with God? I feel like I've drifted from God. And I'm just being honest with you. I feel like, man, you know what? I got so busy doing ministry, I didn't spend time in the presence of God. I've been doing so busy working for God's kingdom, I didn't spend time in his word. And I feel many times like I'm drifting from God and I need to come back. Even my spiritual life as a pastor can feel a little shallow. How many, how many can say Amen. Man, I give me some help out there. I don't know. And, and then when other, other people get blessed, we can get jealous. That why, why are they getting blessed? Why did they get that job? Man, I, I deserve it. That, that guy don't, man, man God, God, come on, bro. You, you're not right with God. Why, why are you getting blessed? Right? We get jealous of other people. We get mad. And, and I think this was what the elder son was happening in his life. He, he had lost focus of what was really going on and thank God this young man came to his senses and he realized wait a minute I'm in the wrong place I'm, I'm headed the wrong direction I need I need to turn around I need to go the other direction sometimes we need to realize we need to come to our senses sometimes maybe a word something the Holy Spirit speaks to you you need to realize man I need to get right with God I need to come back to the Lord so number two after you come to your senses, you need to come clean. Tell, tell someone, come clean. When, when we use that expression, come clean, that means uh, uh, basically be honest. Be real. Come clean, man. Let, just expose yourself. Stop trying to hide everything. You know why a lot of people can't get right with God? Because they're always trying to hide everything. Man, you just need to come clean. Come on. You just need to confess it. And in Luke chapter 15, verse 18, he says, I'm going to say to my father, I have sinned. That's what it means to come clean. Say, God, you know what? I, I've done wrong. I've been going. Be accountable, man. It, just expose it, man. I, I've messed up. 
See, all of us have one thing in common. We've all messed up. Am I right? And we got to come clean. We got to just say, you know what? I've screwed up. I've gone down the wrong path. Uh, You know, I messed up here. I've done this wrong. I just need to come clean with God. Uh, And not only come clean with God, maybe even make yourself accountable to someone. Say, I need help, man. I need to come clean with you. Yeah, I confess this to God, but I need to be accountable to someone because I need help in this area. Look at what the book of Proverbs says, uh, verse uh, chapter 20, verse 8. People who cover their sin will not prosper. You're not going to prosper as long as you cover it. But if they confess and forsake them, what? They receive mercy. When you come to your senses, when you come clean with God, you're going to be successful and you're going to receive mercy from God. Number three, are you ready for this? Come home. Turn to someone and say, come home. Time to come home. Time to come home. That's exactly what happened here in verse 18. I'll set out and go back to my father. And remember, the father's waiting for him, and he finally comes to his senses. He said, I'm going to come clean. I'm going to confess what I've done. And he's making his way home. Uh, He says, you know what? I'm going to come back home. Uh, I'm going to come back and get it right. I think that is the key to everything. When people come to church, we don't need to tell people, hey, where you been? We need to say, welcome home. Right? Welcome home. So many of us this morning, you know, they come in and go, hey, where you been? Hey, wh- hey, you haven't been here a week. Welcome them home first. Hallelujah. Let them, let them know you're glad they're back. And this guy, he comes home and his dad kisses him and embraces him and lets him know that he is welcome back. And number four, are you ready for this? Celebrate. Say Celebrate. Celebrate. Celebration is one of the biggest things that I think when we, we think about the Father is that he's willing to celebrate you. He's willing to celebrate the fact that you're here. Some of us this morning, we need to celebrate bringing bring in the presence of God. I mean, we come to church, man, and you need to let, let your faith know uh, that you're happy because your faith doesn't say it. And, and you know, some people during worship... Like, what happened to you, bro? Come on, man. You're supposed to be celebrating right now, man. I mean, smile, do something, you know. It's like, man, you know, uh, you're, anyway, let's go, let's talk, let's, let's go on. Anyway, so the Bible says in verse 22, but the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. He said, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattest calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of was uh, for for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Come on, somebody, let's celebrate. Here, here, here's one thing that I want. Maybe we can have the musicians come up real quick. Here's one thing that I want to say with to you: that God's always looking for you. He's always seeking where you're at, no matter where you've been in life, no matter how far you, you are from God. How many remember the game hide and seek? I mean, it's great to hide, but how many know you want to be found too, right? I mean, I mean, have you ever played the game and then there's that one guy that always, he just hides real good? You can never find that guy. <clears throat> I mean, there are times the one guy is always hiding and, and, Finally, we just give up on him. He just said, man, man, can't find that dude. He may still be hiding. I don't know. I mean, 
such a good place. We don't know where he's at today. <clears throat> but is it possible that we've been hiding from God so long that we think we can't be found? And yet God's seeking you. He's still been looking for you all this time. All you have to do is come clean. Say, God, here I am. Because God wants, God loves you, man. He wants, he wants you to be found. He don't want you to be lost. He don't want you to hide anymore. Doesn't pay, doesn't pay, doesn't do us any good to hide from God. We have a heavenly father today. He loves you. He's seeking you out. He's waiting for you today. He cares about your life. He's willing to give you forgiveness and grace. The great thing about this son was that he came to his senses. He realized the wrong that he did, and he came to his father in the spirit of repentance. And here's, here's the marvelous thing about the father in this, in this story. If the guy can't even get his words out because God already knew his heart. He, didn't, he never actually says even the speech if you, if you read the story. He starts coming, and as he's getting out, the father, be quiet. Put, put a rope on this guy. Because I already know what's going on in your heart. How many know God knows our heart already? He's the God of forgiveness. And if we'll just open our heart to him, he'll heal you. He'll, he will hear your heart. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount. Or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.